0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Knuckle Curve Podcast. It is May 30th, Sunday. Happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody out there. We are about one-third of the way through the MLB season. Things are looking interesting. Andrew, what are your thoughts so far?
1: Uh, There's a few things that really surprise me. A lot of the standings are about where I thought they'd be. I'd say the biggest shock so far is Minnesota being one of the worst teams in baseball when we probably had them as one of the best.
0: Yeah, Minnesota's shocking. Uh, San Francisco being good is shocking. Some things are exactly as we expected, though, and we're going to get into a couple of those things. Uh, but Andrew, first pitch, I know it's a, not really statistics or standings related, but what do you have for us this week?
1: Yeah, I've been staying about like the off-the-field stuff lately. I was just flabbergasted after what I saw during a St. Louis Cardinals game this past week. Gallegos, Galogos, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, got his hat taken from him by Joe West in the middle of a game because it had a foreign substance on it. Now, I want to be clear. I'm very much against doctoring the baseball, but this has been such an open secret that I think that we're at a point where baseball has to regulate the foreign substances on the ball. We've got articles of players talking about how it's frustrating to pick up a foul ball and it's like drenched in glue. And Trevor Bauer has been on this wave on social media for years now. He's tweeted about how he knows he can add 400 RPM on a fastball by doctoring the baseball, seeing Gallegos get pulled out of a game and have his hat inspected because of it. The Cardinals manager was rightfully furious because this is something that if you watch baseball and you watch the games, you'll watch pitchers rub their arms, whether it's rosin sunscreen or some other substance, they're rubbing their arms. They're rubbing their hats inside of their gloves. It's so blatantly obvious that at this point, baseball should be, should regulate them. It should be a minimal amount. It should be only these approved substances to help with grip or control. Seeing Gallegos get his hat taken reminded me of what feels like a decade ago when Miguel Pineda got thrown out for having pine tar on his neck. It's crazy to think about how he went from Pineda getting thrown out for having pine tar on his neck to players now having so many different unknown foreign substances on their body somewhere that they're literally changing the build and the demographics of a baseball.
0: Yeah, I don't quite understand why Joe West did this. I mean, we know Joe West. He's probably the oldest, definitely by far the most tenured ump in the game. It seems like every time he's in a game, he ends up trending, if not for bad calls and for being dramatic or throwing somebody out because they hurt his feelings. So initially when I saw, okay, Joe West threw him out, that was my take, which you never want from an umpire or a ref in any sport. They should never be the center of attention. Joe West seems to defy that. But other than that, I don't think that we're going to hear the end of this anytime soon. he um, may have started something here, exactly what you were talking about, maybe towards regulation, but yeah, it's it's absolutely no secret. Every Every good pitcher, if you see them touch their hat... Or maybe, you know, touch under their sleeve or something. They're putting something on the baseball. It's the worst kept secret. Bauer's been all over it. You can see, you know, breakdown videos from John Boy about it. There's every good pitcher is using something. Hitters want them to use something because they don't want a pitcher with no grip throwing the ball 101 miles an hour at them. So baseball's got to do something. We can't have things where... You know, Joe West is telling a pitcher he has to change his hat. Okay, well, now he has nothing instead of maybe a little bit too much. There has to be a middle ground that everyone can agree on that everyone will be happy with. But we can't have Joe West kicking guys out of games or taking their hats and making them change it. That's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and Gallego specifically, StatCast looked at his numbers before and after his hat was taken. It was a very minuscule difference. So on his individual pitches is only about 30 to 60 RPM per pitch, which in baseball, 30 to 60 is not that much of a difference. Really big differences are when you get to two to 300 RPM per pitch. So that 30 to 60 leads me to believe that he's not using this for the RPM or the spin on the ball. That really makes it a lot harder to hit. And instead he's using it more for control to put it where he wants to be. Now, hitters like that apparently so that way they don't get beaned but the big thing for me is that they can't have like the wild west of substances at this point when I see a player jump from team to team and they go from one team to another and their stats instantly increase as a pitcher I think it's because the team has some type of recipe that other teams don't have and I think about Houston doing that with Verlander's career and his fastball getting new RPM I think about how they've been able to rehab all these old pitchers to become superstars it's just baseball has to do something and nothing is not something
0: you're right about that nothing is definitely not something i do hope we see something on this probably not going to happen this season but you know obviously this season's off to a historically bad offensive start so i'm sure that you know Manfred and the whole the whole board is going to take a look at that and try to do what they can Uh, But, yeah, right now, something definitely needs to be done. Ban the shift. Yeah, uh, again, you keep beating that drum, maybe one day someone will listen to you. Okay. (laughs) Let's give me something good to talk about. What's going on with your first pitch? All right, we're going to talk about a team that I think you kind of made fun of me for saying might be a contender last week, so I think we might have to chat about this. Uh, But remember how I said to watch out for the Giants and their revenge series after getting swept by the Dodgers? Well, they just took three out of four in Los Angeles. Um, We had a walk-off robbery of Pujols. We had Longoria went eight for 18 this week. We had Kevin Gosman go through um, 11 innings scoreless in his two starts. His ERA is down to 1.53. Posey still has an OPS over 1,000. This team of old men is going absolutely crazy. They are still in this very competitive division. Uh, They're only half a game out of first place right now. I am certifying them as not a pretender, as a contender. I'm going to keep a close eye on them in June, but I think this team is here to stay.
1: I, yeah, I saw that series. I saw those games. I saw some of the highlights. I couldn't believe it. Last week, I certified them losing three out of four to LA, and I said, if they can win the series or sweep the Dodgers, I'll start believing. At this point, the Giants should become one of the stories of the season. The conversation now isn't okay. Is it a fluke? It's more so. Is this a season long thing? And is this actually a good baseball team?
0: I'm trying I'm looking through their stats that I don't know if they have any like young guys doing anything that impressive. Everybody who's doing anything meaningful on this team is over thirty. yeah, it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's certainly the opposite of what's going on over in San Diego and sort of you know l a is just a superstar farm right now. but this team, they're just they're not going away quietly.
1: Yeah, and that's awesome for them. Like I said, and like I've been saying, I think it's a bunch of dudes that got in the clubhouse and they said, okay, boys, one last run. Let's go for it. And this, after the full year of COVID last year, a lot of those old guys not having to play 162, 150 games, they got essentially a full year to rehab. Maybe this is what they would look like if they were well-rested for an entire season. And you got to think that that kind of shortened schedule last year helped those older teams much more than the younger teams. So we're seeing that pay off with the Giants, at least.
0: Yeah, especially with those younger teams, you know, they're still at a stage where a lot of these guys are still developing their skills and still making progress, and a year off your development is not good for you. Um, But yeah, these older guys on this team, they're just doing something outstanding right now um i would love to see them be competitive with the other two giants in that um division in september um but for now we'll just keep an eye on them for a month we'll see if they can hang in there a little while longer but i think they will be i think they'll be contenders this fall
1: you guys all heard it RD is certifying the giants as a contender
0: keep your eye out on them okay we're gonna go around <laughs> the horn now we're gonna start out with andrew we're gonna take the al east what's going on over there
1: Uh, The East, it's been rainy. There's been so many rainouts this past week. I want to say after looking it over, we had seven combined games rained out, delayed, or turned into doubleheaders. So the whole schedule this past week kind of got put into whack. One series that was really exciting was the Pablo Sandoval Revenge Series. If you don't know, Pablo Sandoval is playing in the National League for the Atlanta Braves. He is a designated hitter right now, like pinch hit type. So in interleague play, when he comes over, he was the DH against the Boston Red Sox, the team he signed that mega deal with after he hit like an insane five or six home runs in the World Series. He knocked three hits against the Red Sox. So shouts out to the Panda. He got his revenge series and they snuck a win against the Red Sox. On top of that, I realized when I was doing my recap and looking at these teams and watching some of these games that Bobby Dahlbeck sucks. Bobby Dahlbeck is supposed to be this young power hitter stud that can knock it in the gap and supposed to play the green monster in Fenway. And he's supposed to be a really good hitter. He's batting like 200. He's a negative 1.0 war player at this point. He's being put in positions where all he has to do is hit the ball with the bat, and he strikes out. He's not looking good so far.
0: Yeah, the thing about a negative one more is, essentially, if you replace him with any guy who's good in AAA, they're going to have one more win. Which, if you're a major league player, is you know not a good statistic to have. You know, a negative one more, but yeah. Uh, just looking at some of the stats now, he is not what they wanted him to be, Mr. Dahlbeck. Yeah,
1: and he's supposed to be somebody that's pretty high in the Boston Red Sox farm, so it'll be interesting to see if that this is his year of just being ass and will be better, or if he's actually just ass. Uh, somebody else that is just ass, the Baltimore Orioles. I talked about them last week in their losing streak. Well, guess what? They have now officially lost 13 in a row, so they are continuing to lose baseball games. And the White Sox essentially had batting practice against them this past week it's not much of a surprise and it's not a hot take for me to say this, but I think I'm pretty comfortable putting the Orioles as the worst overall team in baseball. And there's really only like two or three other teams that are even in that category, but I'm comfortable saying they're the worst.
0: Yeah. It looks like they're coming off a pretty long road trip of uh, Washington, Minnesota, Chicago, a lot of losses. This, this team is really bad, man. Uh, let's see what they have coming up. Uh, Minnesota Cleveland New York Tampa Bay yeah it, it's not looking too good for them I think I might have a worse team for you over in the NL and we'll get to that when I get to that Um, but that's a tough division to be bad in because you got to play a combined like you know 80 games against four teams that are all trying to contend this year it's they might put up some fun numbers. We'll see if they dip below that magic 300 win percentage. They're 321 right now.
1: <laughs> if they get that low, make sure that you take a screenshot of it. It doesn't happen often. Uh, yeah. Looking at the complete opposite end of teams that are on streaks, the Rays last week were starting a streak, and they won 11 games in a row. They ended that winning streak against the Kansas City Royals, but then after losing to the Royals, They decided to immediately turn around and win four more games. Case, you're great at math. That means that they have won 15 of their last 16 games. The Rays, we knew were going to be good. We knew that they were a good team coming into this year. They literally were played in the World Series last year. They are a good baseball team. However, they might be better than what I thought they would be, which genuinely is terrifying as if their bats are as good as their pitching.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always consider them to be like, you know, the type of team that's structured to let's, you know, build up for one year, go for it all, and then we'll kind of fall apart. We'll do the whole cycle again, but they're sticking around right now, Um, even though they got rid of, you know, some of their really good starters. They're sticking around. Um, This hot streak in May has been pretty much unparalleled. So um, right now it looks like Boston's still right on their heels. They got a series coming up with New York. Um, they can really put a gap on them this week.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the AL East, pretty much what we expect it to be. Talk to us about the NL East, Artie.
0: All right, the NL East is finally starting to take some shape. Uh, the Mets have won four straight now. They were supposed to have a three-game set with Atlanta, but Friday got rained out, and it looks like tonight also got rained out. It looks like they're probably going to have a bunch of games later in the year, which could be fun. Um, but they're starting to look like the front runners in this really, really messy division. They did get some bad news. Uh, Syndergaard has to be completely shut down until after the All-Star break. He's not going to be able to throw at all until mid-July. Um, had Apparently had some inflammation during his Tommy John recovery. No no additional damage to that uh, ligament or anything, but it's tough. very tough break for him. Um, How old is Syndergaard now? He's got to be like 28, 29, right? Syndergaard is 28 years old, turning 29 in August, so... You know, he's still young, could still recover, but this is not the type of thing you want to see, especially after Tommy John surgery, especially for a guy who throws as hard as Syndergaard does. Yeah, and you got to think that
1: age, he's either in his prime or entering his prime, so shame that he's not paired with DeGrom, who is like not human.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's still hope. I mean, whatever happens this year, it's definitely not going to be great. I mean, best case scenario right now for him. He's, you know, back up to a full pitching load in like mid September. So it's not really something the Mets can rely on. I would be on the lookout to see if may- they maybe make a move um in the next month or so, maybe at the deadline for a starter to replace them, especially if they're gonna stay in this position and you know make a playoff run. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I hear that there's some bad news coming out of this division this week.
0: Yes, uh tough week in Atlanta. Um if anyone didn't see it, Marcel Ozuna. First on Tuesday it broke a couple fingers and got placed on the IL, but the bigger story, unfortunately, probably gonna be out indefinitely um after being arrested on domestic violence charges. Uh I after reading the story, doesn't seem like he'll be back any time this year. The Braves should probably start to plan to work around that entirely. Um Yeah, it's like one of those things too, like you read the story and you're like, Yeah, he's not coming
1: back and it's for the best.
0: Yeah, he's he's for almost certainly not going to be back on a field this year and you're exactly right it is for the best there is a little bit better news out of atlanta um sororica 23 year old potential ace for the braves um it looked like he was going to be out for the whole year but now he's going to get reevaluated in a couple weeks um so they're crossing their fingers there hopefully they can get him back and get themselves back into this division they're in second place right now at three and a half games out they are two games under 500 though but As we've been saying every week, this division is still very close. Other than the Mets, um, the rest of the division is between six and three and a half games out. Um, So let's see, one, if the Braves can, you know, sort of figure this whole mess out, maybe reorganize their field a little bit and have a strong week. Um, But I think it might be anybody's game for that second spot right now to challenge the Mets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to hear Soroka's getting reevaluated. I remember talking about Soroka when he originally had that inflammation back in his Achilles. So hopefully, after that reevaluation, we at least get to see him pitch this year. You did not mince words. You said potential ace. When that guy pitches, he has the potential to be their ace. And here's hoping that we can get him on a field sometime soon.
0: Yeah, really weird week overall for the Braves. They only played three games and won one of two against the Red Sox and lost a blowout against the Mets. Um and then all this, you know, news. I'm sure Braves Camp is a little bit shaky right now, but you know, next week's a fresh week. They're playing the nationals first. We'll see if they can put something together.
1: Awesome. I'm gonna hop over to the American League Central, which has been a division that we've talked about quite a bit, and somebody specifically that we spent a lot of time on last week. Tony LaRussa. So we already know we don't like Tony Larusa that much. However, I do want to congratulate Mr. Larusa for beating his former team, the St. Louis Cardinals. So he has officially joined the "I've beat every team in baseball" club. More importantly, though, Lance Lynn threw an absolute gem against the Cardinals, and then the post-game press conference said it was the most satisfying game of his career that wasn't in the playoffs. That's. Sensational. I did not know Lance Lynn had like beef with the Cardinals organization, but I love that he took a podium he was like, yeah, this was the most enjoyable game of baseball I've ever played.
0: Yeah, it looks like yeah, that was certainly a gem. Seven innings, one run, three hits, 104 pitches. So if he doesn't like the Cardinals, he definitely got what he wanted. Um, this is a guy who's really reinvented himself the last couple of years, but right now 1.37 ERA. And I know these numbers are, you have to put them in the context of 2021, but that's still second in the American League. Um, you know, 6 and one, point nine three whip. He's having a career year right now.
1: Yeah, he should be on a short list for Cy Young Awards. Uh, if he keeps this up all year and he keeps eating those innings going seven deep, then he's performing extremely well. He should be on the list.
0: All right, what else you got in the Central?
1: Oh, man. I said a few weeks ago, it was my first pitch, about how the Tigers aren't completely awful. They're bad. They are bad. However, their young pitching is not that bad. Tarek Skubal proved that this past week and the entire month of May. The Tigers managed to sweep the Yankees. It's the first time that the Yankees have been swept by the Tigers since the year 2000, so 21 years of history there. And then Scooble specifically has had a sub-4.0 ERA in the month of May. He helped them sweep them, and the Tigers are a very, very weird team because with that completed sweep of the Yankees, that was their third sweep in their past six series. So (laughs) it's either they go 3-0 0-3 0-3 or 1-2 in these three-game series, and, and there's no rhyme or reason to it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I will say one of those was against the Mariners, but as we just said, one of them is against the Yankees, who they only allowed five runs against. So that pitching staff must be doing something right. Well, I mean, I don't think they're in any position to make a run this year, 10.5 games out already, but it's, it's good to see you know, that the young players that you, know, you build up in your farm system are starting to show some returns for them.
1: Yeah, they're not making a run anywhere. They are (laughs) very comfortable (laughs) at that bottom rung. (laughs) See how good those young guys are doing. See how many pitches they can get in. Give them the innings. Other than that, like, I was just very, very impressed looking at Scoobles' numbers and seeing how well he's pitched. Yeah, looks like a pretty good name for him. I, uh know that there's somebody on the National League Central that also had a great pitching week. Uh, You want to talk to us about the Brewers and Woodruff?
0: Yeah, so I mentioned this last week. Brandon Woodruff was going to have a a duel against Snell Monday Night Baseball. Um, He also had a game today against Scherzer, so he faced a couple well-respected pitchers this week, and he outdueled them both. Um, Both games, he went seven innings pitched, each zero earned runs. Um, I would say put him on Cy Young watch, but that's going to take um, an all-time collapse from DeGrom. Um, but he is having a very, very good year right now. Um, elsewhere in the Brewers organization, and another reminder to last week for you, new acquisition Willie Adams, certified good-hitting shortstop, went 8-for-24 with 7 RBIs, leading the team. Uh, so you can apologize to me anytime you want. I'm not going to apologize to you about
1: Willie Adamas being a good hitting shortstop until you apologize to me for referring to Scherzer and Snell as well-respected pitchers and not three-time combined
0: Cy Young winners. I guess we're gonna have to just not apologize to each other then I because I said what I said but you are right yeah Scherzer and Snell are like generational talents more to Scherzer than Snell but Either way, Woodruff outdueled them both this week. So, I'm, Yep, okay. No apology. We're good. Yeah, Brewers are still two games out of first place, but honestly, they seem like the, one of the hotter teams in the division right now. Um, the other hot team in that division is in second place, and that is the Chicago Cubs. They were on a six-game winning streak until their loss today. Uh, hopefully, you saw that ridiculous play with Javi Baez at first. If you have not, just Google Javi Baez, and you will find it. It is hilarious. Um, and more importantly, in case you haven't been paying attention, Chris Bryant right now is on a, is on a 12-game hit streak, batting 367 over that period. Now, I talked last week about um, Chris Bryant probably being one of the top prospects of the trade deadline. Right now, it's starting to look a little bit more like the Cubs are going to have to make a decision and say, are we in this right now or are we not in this? Because uh, right now, they find themselves half a game out of first place. Um, eight wins of their last 10 games and their star who might be on the trade block might not be is having an amazing stretch.
1: Yeah. Chris Bryant, we, you mentioned how he's probably going to be the biggest name on those contract year block guys that maybe you can get a rental out of him before he has to sign an extension. Maybe becomes declares for free agency at the end of the year, but 12 games in a row. That's awesome. The Cubs contending for the division or even being in the conversation is not something I expected. So seeing those two things at the same time, if they go all in for the division, I wonder if they're even going to consider extending him or if they're just going to say, no, he's not on the team for next year, but let's see if we can at least make a run. There's a few options, but you're right. He's definitely going to be pushing the envelope for them to make the choice soon.
0: Yeah, and they, they have to do that soon, as, you, as we were just talking about. So two months until the trade deadline. This is a tight division right now. I, if I were to, were to put a guess on it, I think they're still going to trade him. I think you know, they might see the Brewers and the Cardinals in front of them and just make the move. Um, this is his contract year, so it's really you know, extend or trade. There's no point in just letting him walk in free agency in two months with nothing. So um, we're going to have to keep our eyes on that now instead of where does he go, does he go anywhere at all?
1: yeah uh something that you mentioned as well that was definitely had my eyes that javi bias play is ridiculous i swear i did the same thing when i played little league but <laughs> i'd never seen anything like it on <laughs> like a major league baseball field all the first baseman had to do was step on first but instead javi bias got like a double out of it they scored a run it's you should just YouTube it, YouTube bias, and it'll be an enjoyable, like, 45 seconds.
0: It is the silliest play I've se- I'll have i say, I guess I've seen in a week, because there's been a lot of ridiculous plays this year in MLB. But, like, two bad throws, one all-time bad decision by the first baseman in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think they got back to the dugout and the coach was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah,
1: I would a thousand percent agree. Uh, let's hop over to the American League West. The West, it, there was one huge series that was on your radar, and that was Astros Padres. And let me tell you, it lived up to the hype. There was a ton of offense. There was good pitching. The stars were stars. Granky threw 8.0. Granky's fastball is slower than his changeup. It doesn't make sense. It's Zach Granky. It's just how it works. Tatis hit a 935-foot home run on top
0: of the train tracks to send the game into overtime. I'm going to have to see the stat cast on that 935-foot home run, but, like, (laughs) I believe it.
1: (laughs) You got to watch the video and tell me it went anything less than 900 feet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw it. It's kind (laughs) of (laughs) scary. So it was a great
1: series. There was a ton of really crazy plays, and I'll talk about – kind of from the Padres' perspective when we talk about the National League West. But like you said, it looks to be like Houston's one of those better teams. They didn't take the series, but at least the Astros managed to compete with what we believe to be a a World Series contender.
0: Yeah, the Astros are interesting. They've been on a bit of a cold stretch lately, but they still find themselves only a game and a half out of first place. The Athletics are still hanging on to first, which again, still certified non-believer. I'm hanging on to that and then hopefully one day they won't be in first place and I can be proven right. Um, But, yeah, the Astros, very, very tough week. That was a great series with uh, San Diego. They did not come out on top, losing two out of three, though.
1: And uh, elsewhere in the division, one of the more interesting, very weird things was just Shohei Otani's week. He's just having that type of season. But he missed a start because of travel issues, so, we hopped onto the BART, which is a Bay Area transit system. It's a railroad out there. So, if you're in the Bay Area, shouts out to you and shouts out to the BART. Uh, Shohei Otani was on it last week.
0: Yeah, that was one of the weirder stories from the week for sure.
1: Yeah. He also threw up and in on a guy. He threw a pitch that looked like it got away from him. And immediately afterwards, the dugouts and the benches cleared. So, It looks like anything like that. The pitcher and the batter are normally jawing at each other. Otani straight up didn't care. He was on the mound giggling, like ready to throw another pitch while all the dugouts were clearing and like barking at each other. I think because he doesn't speak like native or fluent English, he like doesn't care at all (laughs) like what people say to him. But it's also funnier to me that he threw a pitch that forced the benches to clear, and he was just like, let me throw another pitch. Like, what's the issue? I don't understand.
0: Yeah, just more of at least something fun is coming out of the Angels season with the Bart story and with Shohei.
1: Yep, Uh, that's the biggest news that came out of the West this week. It was a very fun and odd week for those odd stories. Uh, The Oakland A's are still still running the division and we are still just counting down the days to be proven correct that they are not a good team. Uh, I personally think that they are okay. Like I think okay could probably win this division this year. I think Houston's probably the best overall team and I think they're just a little bit better than okay. So it's coming down the stretch. It's going to be interesting to see if any of these teams can really even get above and stay above 500.
0: All it takes is, you know, one or two good months and you're, you know, in first place by five or six games in this division. So still anybody's ballgame there, though. Let's head out to the National League already. Talk us through the West. All right. Well, we just talked a little bit about that Padres Astros series. The Padres are still on top. Talked about the Giants at the top of the episode. They are looking miraculously good for their age and just for their expectations. I'm in second place, so we will skip ahead to the third place Dodgers who are sitting a game and a half back in the West. So fun fact about them, they have eight more quality starts than any other team in the NL with 32. For those who don't know, a quality start is when your starting pitcher throws six or more innings with three or less earned runs. Those are all pretty well balanced between Bauer, Kershaw, Bueller, and Urias. Um, I want to know from you, who do you give the ball to in the wildcard game that I think we're definitely going to see this team in? If I had to, it all depends on rest. If you can have... Everyone's fully rested. You can set it up. The, you know, if you were able to set it up beforehand, who do you want to have the ball? Kershaw.
1: Give Kershaw the ball. He's not the best pitcher on the team. He's the most experienced. Bueller's still young. Urias is still young. I would want Kershaw on the bump for the wild card. Also, he's a lefty. It's huge.
0: Playoff Kershaw. Wow. I don't it's know. It's a myth. It's a myth. Playoff Kershaw's a myth. I read something about how he's not good in October a couple of years ago. What do you think? Yeah, yeah,
1: look at his rank. You tell me. Tell me how good he is.
0: Well, the, sto- the real story there is that the, the Dodgers have an absolutely unreal pitching staff right now, one through four. Still sort of figuring out that five spot, but this is a team that is a nightmare in a seven-game series, essentially. Oh, um, yeah,
1: yeah. And out of those guys, do you have a favorite that you like to watch?
0: Well, obviously, Bauer's the most fun to watch, I think. But um, actually, <laughs> yeah. like technical standpoint, I think Kershaw is still the most fun to watch. Um, just that curveball is just still as nasty as it's ever been. I think it's maybe lost a couple miles per hour along with his fastball, but still, watching him, you know, lead the game is a spectacle. So, I mean, I feel like we're going to see t- two of these teams that we just talked about. Two of these three teams are going to be in a wild card game. I can almost guarantee it. And if it's Dodgers, Padres. That is going to be probably the best game of the year. A um, thousand percent. But we're getting ahead of ourselves there. We are. We are. But before we move past
1: the Dodgers, we got to talk about Max Muncie. <laughs> I, Max Muncie's OBP right now is on base percentage is 442. <laughs> what is he doing that he's able to get on base 44% of the time? It's unreal, and in a lineup that features Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Will Smith, Gavin Lux, he's the best hitter on the team. So shout out Max Muncy for not only having a insane on-base percentage, but that's carrying his OPS to also be above 1,000 itself.
0: Yeah, that uh, that OBP 442 does certified lead the majors over some no-names like Vlad Guerrero Jr., Johan Mancada, Nick Castellanos. Uh, so he's having a, a really, really good year in a way that doesn't make a ton of sense. He also is uh, leading the league in war. I don't know if anyone noticed that. It's a little sneaky factor. 3.3 right now. First baseman. At first, at a position where, you know, your job is to basically just be, you know, a net for balls coming from the rest of the infield, to have that kind of war, you have to be incredible, which if you get on base 44% of the time, you're going to score some runs and win some games. So, shouts out to Max Muncy doing some things on an offensive team that didn't really need any more than it already had.
1: It's going to be crazy if he keeps that pace up and he gets in the MVP conversation, if the Dodgers have three MVPs on their roster, if he wins one, I would have to do some long research. But I don't think that that's ever
0: happened. Three recent MVPs and like three Cy Young candidates as well. So,
1: yeah, that's insane. Uh, Artie, what else is going on in the West? Let's let's table the Dodgers. We'll get back next week.
0: Yeah, so I did tease a little bit earlier that there was a team that might be as bad as the Orioles, and that is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They did snap a 13-game losing streak today, which I guess is good. I mean, you won a game, but you lost the 13 before that. Uh, they are 5-18 and in May, and I think I would put a good amount of money saying they're going to go 5-19 and in May when they face DeGrom tomorrow.
1: Oh, wow, yeah, these guys are bad. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats now. These guys are bad. The Diamondbacks are 19 and 35. Not good. The Baltimore Orioles are 17 and 36. Also not good.
0: So, yeah, the Diamondbacks' pitching is especially bad. Uh, they allow a 263 batting average against, which in a normal season is like not good, but in a season like this one is like absolutely awful e r a of four point nine nine they're a very, very bad team, and I think it might be just interesting to see if they end up worse than the, the Orioles, but thirteen game lot thirteen game losing streak snap today, so maybe they're gonna turn it around.
1: would also like to shout them out zero quality starts. thanks for introducing to us to that stat earlier this this pod already.
0: yeah, I'm glad I was able to do that there. Oh my goodness, they are so bad. uh but anyways. I guess that's all I have from the West. Uh, We can move on to our scouting reports. What are you looking out for next week?
1: We touched on it. Uh, The Yankees and the Rays are playing a series this week. There are not many what I would describe rivalries left in baseball anymore. When I use rivalry, I'm not talking about like Yankees, Red Sox, the oldest rivalry in sports. I mean teams and players that don't like each other. The Yankees and the Rays – do not like each other. Every time they play, somebody gets thrown at somebody gets hit. There's headlines. The bench is clear. The players don't like each other. Pretty sure the managers hate each other. And it's slowly over these past few years where both these teams are competing become a really good rivalry. They're both good teams. They both do not like each other. And we need that in baseball. We need to see these teams actually not like each other and play like they don't like each other early in the season. I don't care about location rivalries anymore. I don't care about bad blood from the 80s. I want to see these players demonstrate that they don't like each other. Flip your bat when you hit a home run. I want Chapman to throw 101, belt high, and inside and to see a Tampa Bay Ray player jump back and look at him and give him the stare back. I need to see that emotion in this series and hopefully with a 3 game series we're going to get it.
0: Yep, looks like right now the Rays up on this season series 6 to 3. Um like you said, a lot of bad blood. It could it's a potential to spark up at any point with 4 games this week. Um I think it's going to be very exciting. Looks like We will get a little bit of coal at the end there, a little bit of glass now on Tuesday. Um, So I'm excited. I will definitely be watching that.
1: I will as well. To give just an example of these teams not liking each other, when Ryan Thompson was asked about the Yankees, his exact quote was, they hate us.
0: Yeah, I think the feeling's probably mutual. Yankees hate the Rays, the Rays hate the Yankees. Some One inside pitch has the potential to be a nightmare later on in the game, especially with all of the hard throwers in both bullpens. Exciting. It's also going to be really important to see you know, where the standings line right now. Rays are in first, up four and a half on the Yankees, who are in third. Rays have the potential to really bury the Yankees. The Yankees have the potential to get themselves back into it after a tough week.
1: Huge series. Huge series. Artie, what are you watching, buddy?
0: All right, well, as I mentioned earlier, the Braves are coming off a tough week on the field and off the field. Only got to play three games, so I'm sure everyone's cooling down a little bit. Um, But they are going to have four games against the Nationals and then three games against the Dodgers. they are only three against the Dodgers this season. Um, It's really going to be, you know, how is this team playing after this tough news they got um, on Saturday night? Now, are they able to rally together and and you know beat the division rivals and then beat the Los Angeles Dodgers if they can? Um, something to definitely be watching out for, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they have to, after not playing games, they're going to have to really string a few of these wins together in the National League East, like you said. And when you were talking about the National League West, it's looking like the wild card spots are pretty much shaped out unless something crazy happens. So they're going to have to really string together these wins against teams in their division and other good teams like the Dodgers. So no Ozuna, um, haven't played many games in a while. Hopefully they can actually get on the field and not get rained out like the rest of the Northeast coast this week. And maybe we can see a more competitive division as we go down the stretch.
0: Yeah, just, just off of a very, very deflating week. Um, it's going to be important to see, can they turn it around? Can they, you know, find some momentum? Can they rally around each other in that clubhouse? Or are they going to be lost for a little bit? And with the division as close to that, can't afford to be lost for long. All right. Well, that is all for us today, then. If you liked what you heard, make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Knuckle Curve Podcast. These are